Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God's heart is always to bring people back. And if we remember that, that will help us personally if we drift. Because the enemy, when we drift, when we fall into sin or something, he tries to seize the moment and get us to think that that's it, you're done, God's finished with you. But we need to remember that the Lord is always calling us to come back. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Lamentations chapters 1 through 5. Now here's Pastor Brian. Sometimes we think that if we're serving God, we're going to be successful and prosperous and healthy and, you know, everything's going to be great because we're serving God. But listen, when you read the scriptures and when you look even at church history, you find that, that most people who have served God in an impactful way have simultaneously had all kinds of difficulties and troubles and afflictions. This is our, this is our lot, one of the reasons, well, of course, there's the reason that we live in a fallen world, a broken world, a sinful world. That's one reason. But there's another reason. There's a devil. And he doesn't want us to do anything for God. So he does all kinds of things to try to discourage us. And, you know, when you do a little bit of, of surveying of church history, you, you find that almost anybody who ever did anything that got in the history books not that everybody who did great things got in the history books, but the people who did get in the history books, you find that there, there's all the glory and there's the blessing and there's the amazement of what God did, but then there's a backstory. It's all the suffering that they endured. Now, many times I have mentioned my wife's podcast, <laughs> Women Worth Knowing, because I love it for one, but number two, it's a reminder. I love church history. I used to read a ton of church history. I don't have that much time right now to read church history. But as they go through these women worth knowing, they're kind of just marching us through history. And as you're looking at these people who did these extraordinary things for God, you're seeing that the backstory is suffering. It's, it's difficulty. Just this week, they did the second part to the story of Catherine Booth. Catherine Booth is the wife of William Booth, and they were the founders of the Salvation Army in England. And the story is absolutely amazing. But with both Catherine and William Booth, one of the things that they bring out in the podcast is the suffering that they endured. They were afflicted. They were physically afflicted. They had all kinds of opposition and things. And then at a certain point, they both came under these, these deep depressions, Man, but they were serving God. But they would go out and preach the gospel on the streets. You know, these days, I mean, we go out and try to preach the gospel. If somebody says something mean to us, we just think, oh, gosh, I'm persecuted. I got to, you know, better not say anything. Oh, man, they went out and they were pelted with rocks and they were pelted with rotten food. And in some cases, the, the carcasses of dead animals were thrown at them. And all of this to get them to shut up and not to share the gospel. But, that, but that's, they're just one example of this kind of thing. 
And so all that to say, not to put us on a total downer, but just the reality is, as, as we see here with Jeremiah, all those who live godly in Christ will suffer. We'll suffer persecution. We will suffer different kinds of things because we're living in a world that is opposed to God and we are pushing against an invisible enemy who hates God and hates you because you belong to God and doesn't want you to be used by God and will do anything he can to discourage you. So just as, and you know, James tells us this in his little letter, right? He says, take for example the prophets, take them as an example of suffering and of glory. And then he, he points to Job. He says, remember Job. Remember how Job suffered, but then remember also the, uh, the outcome of his faith. Remember the blessing of God on him in the end. And so Jeremiah, he's in the pit. He's lamenting his own experience experience which seems in this dark dark moment that God has abandoned him but then he says this in verse 21 having said my soul is downcast within me verse 21 yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope this I call to mind and therefore I have hope you know when things are dark when days are dark, when it seems like the sun is setting on our world in not in a positive way, but in a negative way, like a, like a dark night is descending upon us, we need to call to mind the Lord and have hope. We need to call to mind the Lord and have hope. Now, I do believe that there is a dark night. There has been a dark night. Darkness has been descending upon our nation. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. And that can cause us to be depressed, can cause us to be filled with anxiety, with fear. How do we combat that? How do we handle that? How do we deal with that? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. That's what Jeremiah remembered. He he remembered the Lord's great love. And he, he remembered that It was because of his great love that the nation wasn't completely obliterated. It wasn't completely wiped out because of God's compassion. And, you know, as we maybe think about what could befall us in the days ahead, and as we're tempted to anxiety, as we're tempted to fear, as we're tempted to depression, let's not forget this. The Lord's compassions never fail. And listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, these these are the kinds of things that the people of God, we fall back into this. We just, you know, (laughs) fall back 
into those everlasting arms and we're depending on the Lord to catch us. You know, at times I get overwhelmed in my mind. I get depressed. I get discouraged. I'm just as human as anybody else, man. I look around and I think, God, things are a mess. And it doesn't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon. It, as a matter of fact, it looks like they're probably going to get worse. And I don't like that thought. Because I have a family. I have kids. I have grandkids. And I think of the world that they're living in, the world that they're inheriting, the insanity that we are living in at this moment. And, and you know how that is. I mean, that can just become overwhelming. What do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I just fall back into the compassion and the mercy of the Lord. I just, I just lean back. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm falling back. Catch me. And you know what? He always does. And he just gives me sometimes just a little, I mean, just sometimes it's just the smallest little spark of hope. It's just, you know, something he, you know what he will do so often? He will just remind me of things he's doing. And he's go, but, but Brian, what about this? You know, I'm doing this over here. Oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great thing. Or, Brian, think about what I'm doing with these people right here. Oh, wow, yeah, that is good. You know what I've learned over the years? I used to kind of get, you know, when I, was, when I was younger, I would get into looking at all the, not, not just the problems in the world, but, you know, looking at it from the perspective of nations and, you know, trying to figure out Bible prophecy and this is happening here and that's going to happen over there and trying to piece it all together. And I'll never forget, there was a, actually a moment where I was, I was digging into all of that and looking at the, you know, these nations are going to come together and all this is going to happen and this invasion and so on. And, and you know, the Lord just stopped me in my tracks and said, stop. Stop looking at that stuff. I want you to stop looking at that, and I want you to look at me. And what the Lord was really saying to me is, I want you to stop looking at what men and the devil are doing, and I want you to start focusing on what I'm doing. And, you know, that's the best way to to get pulled out of a pit, to remember what the Lord is doing. And you know what I would say to people right now, today, this very day, who are depressed, who are discouraged, who are fearful, I would just simply say this, get your eyes off the situation and get them onto God and remember that God is at work and ask him to show you what your part is in the work and get busy doing the work of God so you're not sitting around fretting about what men and the devil are doing. That's what we need to do. And we need to remember, as Jeremiah did here, the Lord's great love, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Remember that great hymn by Fanny Crosby, great is thy faithfulness. Lord God, our Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed Thy hand is provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And there there are many other verses, but that song was written from this text. She took that song from these words right here. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. 
that's what we say to ourselves. Wait a second, the Lord is my portion. What am I, what am I thinking? Why am I cast down? As the psalmist would say, why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. I will yet praise him. And that's what we must do. The Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. It is good to wait quietly for the Lord. We need to have those quiet times. We need to have those times where we just get aside from all the busyness and the craziness and the distractions, and we just need to be quiet before the Lord. And just let the Lord calm our hearts and let him speak to us. He does that. He said, let him sit alone in silence for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him and let him be filled with disgrace for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love. So here, what Jeremiah is referring to now is like a, a chastisement or a discipline from the Lord. And he's saying, we need to accept it. There are times when the Lord will discipline us because we're his children. So he'll correct us. He'll correct our way or he might want to instruct us. You know, the different translations uh, do not despise the chastening of the Lord Uh, Some translations say, do not despise the punishment of the Lord. Some say, do not despise the discipline of the Lord. You know, there can be different ways or or reasons for the Lord's correction in our lives. And some of it is corrective in the sense that we're doing something wrong or we're going the wrong way. So God is dealing with us about that. But, you know, sometimes it's not so much that. It's just that God is... He's disciplining us in the sense that we might discipline ourselves in order to go deeper in something. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a subject that you really want to know, but you know, in order to know it, you're going to have to really discipline yourself. You're going to have to sit down and put in the long hours of reading and research, and that takes discipline. But the result of that discipline is that you're going to increase in knowledge. Or maybe it's physically, you, you discipline yourself because you want to be in better shape. You want to be stronger. You want to have more endurance. But in order to get that, you're going to have to discipline yourself in order to do it. So sometimes God is disciplining us, not because we're doing something wrong necessarily, but he's disciplining us because he wants to take us to a place that we need to get to, and we won't get there without the discipline. And so God brings the discipline for us to help us to get there. And so he's talking here, though, about just the whole idea of um, having this kind of a thing happen. But then he reminds us of God's unfailing love. 
Then he says in verse 33, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone to crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them justice would not the Lord see such things? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? So, of course, in the context that Jeremiah is writing in, the nation was punished for its sins. The nation was given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn away from their sin, but they refused to do it. So the, the punishment came. And so Jeremiah is asking the question, why, why would you complain if you brought it on yourself? You have to recognize that you have done this to yourself. It's not that God's being cruel or unkind or unloving. He warned you in advance of what would happen. You refused to heed his word, and now this is the outcome. So why should a living person complain when punished for their sins? But then he says this, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. And that's God's objective, to bring back those who have gone astray, to bring back the wayward. You know, God's heart for those who have gone astray, those who have drifted, those who have backslidden, however you want to define what's happened, God's heart for that person is always restoration. God, God's heart is always to bring people back. And if we remember that, that will help us personally if we drift. Because the enemy, you know, when we drift, when we fall into sin or something, he tries to seize the moment and get us to think that that's it. You're done. God's finished with you. There is no further opportunity. But we need to remember that the Lord is always inviting He's always calling us to come back. And we also need to remember that when we think of other people. Because sometimes we can have the wrong attitude. When we see somebody fall or stumble or drift or something, sometimes we can have the attitude that, well, too bad for them. All that, you know, they're, they're out there. That's, they're going to they're gonna get judged. And they deserve to get judged because after all, look what they're doing. And that's, that's never God's heart. God's heart is always to restore. And so he says this now in verse 43. He says, let us lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. So let's examine our ways, test them, and let us return to the Lord. And let us lift up our hearts and our hands. Some translations read, let us lift up our hearts with our hands. You know, sometimes as we're, we're gathered together and we're singing, uh, you know, sometimes we're lifting our hands, right? In, 
in a figurative way, as we lift our hands, we're, we're lifting our hearts to the Lord. In, in a sense, we're saying, Lord, here's my life. My, my, you know, our heart is the center of our being. It's, it refers to the, the totality of who we are. So I'm lifting my heart with my hands to God. I'm basically surrendering myself to God. And that's what Jeremiah is speaking about here. And say, we have sinned. The way back is always admittance that we have sinned. The way back is always through confession. Confession means to say the same thing about it. So I say the same thing about this situation that God says about it. God says, that's wrong. I don't like that. To confess says, Lord, you're right. This is wrong. I know you don't like that. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm turning to you. And that's what Jeremiah says that those who drift are to do. And so in the midst of all of this lament, we have this little sort of a bright patch, like a ray of sunlight shining down, reminding us of the goodness of God and the compassion and, and don't you just love that passage? I think about it often. His mercies are new every morning. I mean, think about how radical that is. You could have totally screwed everything up today. And tomorrow morning, you can get a fresh start. You don't even have to wait till tomorrow morning. His mercies are new at night too. <laughs> but, but the point that that, Jeremiah is making is that God is the God of the second chance and the fifth chance and the 10th chance and the 100th chance. As the day dawns every morning and it's a new day, with each new day, God's there to meet people with his mercy. Isn't that a wonderful thing? to just think about that when we get up in the morning. I'm greeted by the mercies of God this morning. I can just praise the Lord that my sins are forgiven, that I'm washed clean, that I've I've got a new start today. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can step into a new day and know that God's with me and he's going to guide me and lead me through the day into his will. And that's the beauty of the relationship that we have with God through our Lord Jesus and through what he did for us. Because of his atonement, because he took away our sins, God freely lavishes now all of that love and grace upon us. And so, even if things look bleak, know this, his mercies are new every morning.
for the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes. You will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series with the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.